Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In the Gospel for today, we hear John coming on to the scene. Now, John is an icon of the season of Advent. His mission, to prepare the way for Christ. Now, in many ways, you can say that there's no way that we can begin to understand Jesus and his teaching without first coming to grips with John. John is found in all four of the Gospels, so he's a very prominent figure. Therefore, we cannot confront Jesus unless we first act upon John's words. Now, where is John preaching? And this is important. John is preaching in the desert, but in the desert just east of Jerusalem. Now, why is this important? Well, we have to remember, in Jerusalem, the capital city, was the temple. And in the temple was the Holy of Holies. The Jews believed there was where the presence of God was. And so, if you are a good and devout Jew, you would always go to the temple and pray to God, because you know his presence was there. But guess what? Now that John has come onto the scene and is in the, in the desert preaching, the people are leaving the temple, and they're leaving Jerusalem, and they're going out to John. Now, this is pretty significant. They're going out to John because they know that John is preaching the word of God. And they know and see that John now embodies the word of God. And so they are very much attracted to that. And so they are leaving the temple as well as Jerusalem. This is unheard of for good, devout Jewish people. But it's happening. That's how significant this is right now. Now, it's a basic biblical truth. The desert is always a special place where great spiritual things happen. You see that up and down the Bible, in the New Testament as well as the Old Testament. I'll give you some examples. Moses, as a young man, he sees an Egyptian official abusing, physically abusing a fellow Israelite. He becomes so enraged that he kills that Egyptian official. And then he flees into the desert. And he lives as a shepherd for many years until he encounters God on top of Mount Sinai. Look at the story of Exodus. You know, here Moses, he leads the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt to the promised land. But before they can get to the promised land, they must go through the desert and wander through it for 40 years. Look at Jesus himself. Jesus, before he even begins his public ministry, he must go out into the desert and battle the devil for 40 days and 40 nights until he overcomes the devil, triumphs over him. Now he's able to begin his ministry. Look at Paul. After his conversion on the road to Damascus, he didn't immediately go to Jerusalem and join the apostles. No. In Galatians, it specifically says, 
that Paul fled into the Arabian desert and spent three years there before he finally returned to Jerusalem and consulted with the apostles. So then it begs the question, what is it about the desert that makes it this spiritual hotbed, this spiritually charged place? Well, the desert is a place where we're forced to come to the truths of who we are and how we live our life. There are no distractions. Now, some of us have been in the desert before, here in the United States or elsewhere around the world, and we know it's a desolate place. When I was living in Israel, often I would take trips out to the desert east of Jerusalem, essentially in the Dead Sea, as well as Jericho. And it is a barren and desolate place. There are no creature comforts. The desert essentially forces you to confront the basic truths of your life. There are no illusions, no deceptions. You can't kid yourself anymore. Now, a great example of this is the banner theology that was so prevalent in the 70s and 80s of our church. It said what? I'm okay. You're okay. You know we're all okay. We're going to be fine. Well, that's a great example of self-deception, refusing to look honestly at the truths in our life. Advent now is a time to get out into that spiritual desert. Stop kidding ourselves. You know, basically get to the most basic questions of our life. Like, what is my relationship with God like? Is it hot? Is it cold? Is it medium warm, mediocre? Do I use an examination of conscience to see where I've cooperated with God's grace and where I haven't and was led into sin? Am I really living a life pleasing to God? Now, granted, these questions are not easy. We want to avoid them. We don't want to confront those truths in our life. But now is the time to confront them. And John is right here to help us as we begin this gospel passage. Now, the very first thing that John says when he preaches is repent. Now, ironic enough, that's the very first word that Jesus uses when he begins to preach in his public ministry. So it begs the question, why repent? What's so special about that word? The Greek word repent that John uses is metanoia. It comes from two different words, meta, which means change, and nous, which means mind. So, repent means to change our mind, change our way of thinking and believing. But there's more to that. Basically, it means to see the world from a different point of view, from God's point of view. So, how do we really see the world individually? Well, Take, for example, a typical day in your life. You know, people will come up to you and they'll say, how are you doing? Or how's your day? Well, you will see and judge your day by the events in comparison to yourself. I'll give you some examples of what I mean by this. Someone comes up to you and says, you know, how was your day? You say it was absolutely rotten, terrible. I woke up late. I got stuck in traffic. I got a flat tire. By the time I got back to work, I missed or was late to many of my meetings, and my boss was angry at at me. Or another day, someone comes up to you with the same question. 
How's your day going? You say, absolutely fantastic. It's a great day. You know that company that I interviewed with last week? Well, they called me up this morning and they offered me a job. In fact, it's a job in which I'm going to be making twice as much as I'm making now in my current job. It's a great day. So individually, we see everything as it relates to me as a person. So when John says repent, he really is saying to us, see the world not as it relates to you, but instead see the world as it relates to God, from God's perspective, from God's will, such that all things in the world are connected to God. They flow to God and from God. Now notice what John says immediately after repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, when we have that new vision of seeing the world from the perspective of God, such that all things are connected to God, then yes, we can see you know, the kingdom of heaven right here in this world. We see it in the Eucharist, Jesus' body and blood. We see it in the sacraments. We see it in the life of our church and all the ministries that we conduct or perform. Now, if we don't repent, we're not going to be able to see the kingdom of heaven in this world. Now, the people in the gospel, they hear John's message. They act and they repent. They open their heart, their mind, their soul, their will, and their intellect. And that's what John is asking of us. Next, John begins to describe what the Messiah will look like. He says, even now the axe lies at the root. Well, I don't know about you, but I find that to be a strange axe. You know, when someone cuts down a tree, they always leave a stump behind. Well, this axe is different. It actually cuts at the very roots of the tree. Now, what are we to make of this? And why does he describe the Messiah in this way? Well, it's because Jesus is interested in our total conversion, changing our lives, not in the superficial, such that we choose you know, I'm going to keep these behaviors and I can change these behaviors. No. Jesus wants to get at the root cause of our sinful behavior, whether it's envy, jealousy, pride, or anger. See, that's the key. When Jesus is in our life, he gets to the root of our life. Again, this is the purpose and the symbol of the desert. When we get brutally honest with ourselves, then we can get to the root of our behavior. And with Christ in our life, we can change and change for the better. Now, why does Jesus want this? Because it's precisely where he wants to live in us. Jesus wants to live at the roots of our thoughts, our ideas, and our actions. Next, John says, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Well, we know Jesus truly is the Son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity. And so why does Jesus emphasize this baptism because he wants to share. He wants us to share in that Trinitarian life. He wants us to participate in that community of love that exists between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. More to it, Jesus wants to restore the friendship with us, the same friendship that existed before the fall of grace, in which Adam and Eve walked in easy fellowship with God in the cool evening of the garden. Jesus wants to restore that communion of life we once had. And through baptism, it is restored. 
through the power of the Holy Spirit and fire. One last thing to think about. Turn to that first reading from the prophet Isaiah. Notice what he says at the very beginning. A shoot shall sprout from the stump of Jesse, and from its roots bud a blossom. Well, we all know a stump essentially is a dead tree. It's not going to grow anymore. And yet, there is growth. There's a bud. There's a blossom that grows from that stump. Well, what does that mean? Well, the stump represents the world that is cut off from God, that was once governed by sin and death. And yet, that shoot, that blossom, that's new life. That represents Jesus Christ. Now, appreciate the context in which this is set in. Isaiah, he lived 700 years before Jesus was even born, and yet he sees it all clearly. He sees who Jesus is and what he will do in his ministry. Yes, Jesus was born into this world, into a world of sin and death, but from Jesus' death and resurrection, now new life blossoms, the new life in Jesus Christ the life that Jesus wants to share with each and every one of us, now and always. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.